Hey everyone, Jen Amos here, and before we officially get started, I wanted to open up by saying Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and your loved ones. I also thought that I would just take this time to say thank you. Thank you to our sponsors, thephilamwoman.com, anchor.fm, ladypreneurlaw.com, and Seven Cups. Thank you to our editing team. Shout out to Patricia and Dennis. Yes, it takes a village to make the show up and running. To my amazing co-host, Nani Dominguez. To our guests that have jumped on to share their truth, their story. To our listeners and your amazing feedback. Because when you leave us feedback, it's usually a novel of feedback. So thank you so much. To our online community on Instagram and Facebook. And just overall, to our amazing Filipino-American women community. Thank you, thank you, thank you all. You are all truly a gift. You are the greatest gift that I could have ever asked for this year and for the holidays. I just want to wish you all happy holidays to you and your loved ones. We still have one more episode to go after this to finish off 2019. And I'm excited to have you join us for the new year with a whole new set of stories told by individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female or pronouns she, her. One last thing. As we start thinking about the new year, I want to put a bug in your ear if you haven't shared your story yet. Now's your time. If there's any other time to share your story, it's now. We're here for you, and we want to hear your story. We want to amplify your story on this platform. So check out our show notes to learn how you can get a hold of us. We are extremely excited to hear from you. All right, everyone. Thanks so much again. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino-American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And as always, I have my incredible co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hello. And we are stoked because every time we get to do another show, it means that we get to interview another incredible individual in our Filipino American community. So I want to go ahead and introduce you all to Sarah Ojeda Kimbrough. So Sarah is a social worker, parent, and recovering addict. Sarah also identifies as Mestice X and gender non-binary. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes, it's uh, our absolute pleasure to have you. Why don't we start with you sharing, how did you hear about our project? And more importantly, why did you feel compelled to be on our show today? So I found you guys through Instagram and... I very recently decided that I was going to finally learn Tagalog and I started looking up what Instagrams were out there that would help. And anyone that I found when I started looking through their, who they were following, it was always this podcast and I kept seeing it. So I was like, all right, I need to check it out. And I started listening. I was really interested. And so I started following 
And at one point I saw an IG story that said something along the lines of like, if you think it's not you, it is you. So you should just respond and <laughs> like ask to be interviewed kind of a thing. And I responded initially really just as a question if there ever has been a non-binary or someone who doesn't identify necessarily as she, her or female, if, you know, the show kind of covered that topic and it went from there. I filled out the form and I'm glad I did. And I'm really glad that you did, Sarah. I remember that post because very often we have people reach out saying, are you still looking for people to interview or can I recommend someone to you? And and we're like, yeah, you know, we could always have more interviews. And, you know, I'm going to be Filipino for the rest of my life. So mm-hmm. I also think that I'm going to do this show hopefully for the rest of my life. We'll see. And so there's plenty of space to bring on you know, new stories. And with this project, our goal is to collect 365 stories initially, which represents 365 days of the year, to be able to put together a book that's dedicated toward a Filipino American women or non-binary. I think for me, it's like, as long as you don't identify as a male, like you're part of this community. That's kind of of, no boys. (laughs) That's how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So no boys. Boys, y'all can start your own podcast. It's fine. fine. Yes. Um, yes. (laughs) um, But yeah, we want to be able to put together this, you know, this book so that we can you know, in the future, be able to take it to college campuses where there's Filipino organizations and really just another thing to contribute to our overall Filipino American community and be able to just feature these stories and life lessons. Because I think that, you know, just like just like taking a shower every day, I think it's good to have life lessons every day. And what better way to get those life lessons and people that, you know, look like us, sound like us, and identify as us. And so, yeah, I appreciate you reaching out. And I also appreciate you asking, you know, if we interview people who identify as non-binary, because like, it's not, it's, I didn't even think of the question, to be honest. And I remember Nani and I were having a discussion about this. We're like, oh, do we, do we do that? And I was like, well, you know, this project is it's an ongoing project. The rules to it are not set in stone. It's kind of like whoever feels compelled to being a part of it. I mean, maybe putting this yeah. out there, you know, even if there was like a Filipino male who wants to, who's like, you know, hardcore feminist that really wants to be on the show, I don't think I would turn them away, you know? <laughs> so, you know, to our, to, to our listeners, you know, if you are for the Filipino American woman or those who identify as non-binary, we invite you because yeah, like I said, the show is not set in stone in terms of the rules. And I want to continue to be open and learn from people who feel compelled to add to this project. So Sarah, I want to thank you for that. I, I don't think you realize like the fact that you reached out was really impactful to Nani and I, but it actually was. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. I mean, I'm glad to hear it. So Sarah, as we were talking about, this project is really dedicated to, you know, individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify um, as female. But for this question, I want to go ahead and we'd love for you to share a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a non-binary Mestice ex Philippine ex American. Hopefully I said that all right. <laughs> <laughs> it all sounded good. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay. So my family or my growing up experience, um, I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley, which I'm sure everyone knows is like Asia capital of the world. And it was interesting because 
they all knew I was Filipinx and like, you know, there was no questioning it for me growing up, uh, which was bizarre later on in life because suddenly I was out in the world without my mom and with people who weren't always around Asians, I guess, so didn't assume I was Asian too. And everyone questioned me, everyone. And Mm -hmm. if I said anything in Tagalog, it was, where'd you learn that? Who taught you that? And it was never like responded to in Tagalog. And so like later in life, I had this weird identity crisis of like, am I not Filipinx, you know? And should I even not do it because I'm white passing? Like there was that whole struggle of, you know, I benefit from white privilege and I am actually part white. So then do I really get to identify as POC and do I get to like put myself there or am I doing that out of shame or guilt about feeling like I'm a white person in this society. Right. And growing up Asian also had its own thing specific. And this is sort of around my non-binary identity, which was, I was assigned female at birth and, Like, I knew I was fine with girly things. Like, I liked the performance of being feminine, but I always identified with things that I guess my family considered masculine. And I was never allowed to do the things that my brothers did. Like, I remember so vividly wanting to mow the lawn. Like, Mm. I was like, I can do that shit. Like, put me out there, coach. And every time my parents were like, you can't handle it. It's too heavy. You won't be able to just let your brother do it. And I was so mad. And there was even my oldest brother loves to tell the story about how he wanted another brother so that he could play catch. So I have two brothers and it's me, the youngest. And so my brother wanted a brother and he got his brother, but my brother doesn't like sports. (laughs) And then he ended up with me, the sister, and I ended up being the like sporty athletic one. And he just loves joking about it, I think, because I don't know, maybe it was a shock to him to meet, get to know a female that was interested in sports or what. But I felt a lot of resentment around the identity of being female. And Mm -hmm. I just couldn't ascribe myself to one or the other. So that's why I go with non-binary because it's like, I'm not either, you know, of course, everything's a spectrum and I don't feel close enough to any one side. And I kind of like moving between that spectrum. And one day I'm more femme and one day I'm more masculine, like, I love that about how I've come to be. And so in a weird way, like I was really upset about those things as a kid, but I love that it made me who I am now, really. Wow, that is so awesome. Just there's so many things in there that stood out to me. The first thing is I can relate to how growing up, like my identity wasn't really an issue until I went to college, actually, when I had joined a Filipino organization. And for the first time, I learned a lot about like discrimination and just everything that is working against us as Filipino Americans. And and I remember in college, we did all these marches. But it was interesting how I didn't really even question my own ethnic background until like later in life. And then even in the recent years, you know, very often I, when I'm around non-Filipinos, cause like my husband is white and the people we work with are white <laughs> and our neighbors are white. <laughs> and so I definitely, you know, it's very common, at least recently as of late, where people ask me like, you know, what are you or like, where are you from? And 
And it gets me to think like, you know, I just think to myself, like, why do I have to like explain myself every time? Mm -hmm. Um, I was just thinking about this, Nani, like I was thinking about this the other day or even today I was all like, I was like, if I would rename the show or when we have our book ready, I was thinking about titling it something like, since you're asking anyway, you know, and kind of implying like, you know, what are you, right? And I feel like mm-hmm. I want to have like a title like that somewhere. But it is interesting how, you know, you leave like your community where you don't even have to question all that. And then you step out of it and you're just like, why do I have to keep explaining myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nani, I want to see if you had any thoughts. So the first thing that really stood out to me was about your talking about speaking Tagalog your Filipinos and how they just don't respond to you. That's kind of alarming. Like that's really, I'm having a hard time finding a word to, to describe kind of how that makes me feel. I mean, have you ever had a conversation with someone around why, like, hello, I'm talking to you or do you (laughs) kind of just leave it at that? (laughs) I mean, you know, the moment they ask, where did you learn that? I say, Oh, my mom, because she's Filipina. And Uh they're just like, no, no. Yeah. Like, I mean, I get it. I I really don't look Filipino, but like, there's just so much denial or like, I must be mistaken or like, I'm trying to fool myself kind of a thing. Yeah. (laughs) No, I totally, I totally get that. I feel the same way. I think I've mentioned this example on the show like a long time ago, but I always tell people the example of one time I was getting my nails done at a nail shop and the nail lady was like, what are you? And I was like, oh, I'm half Russian and I'm half Filipina. And she was like, Filipina? No. Like probably Japanese, maybe Korean. And I and I also get it. I don't look Filipina at all. I kind of just look white if you don't um, really look at me. But mm-hmm. I, I literally had to pull out pictures on my phone of my family <laughs> just to show her. Like, honestly, this is me as a baby. Like, these are my my grandma and my grandpa and my dad. You know what I mean? And then they were like, still, just like every time I have this conversation, I feel like I have to defend myself that way. And even after doing all of that and like exhausting myself over nothing, they're still like, oh, well, you know, something is off. Like, it just can't be, you know, that's an yeah. interesting. I, I love that to hear that I'm not the only one that has experienced that. So, yeah. And then the other thing that I just thought was really cool was how you have found a really comforting place or comfortable place with yourself in embracing your, you know, both masculine side and feminine side and how you kind of have found a way to, you know, slide in between that spectrum however you please. And that's really cool. So congratulations on getting to that place. It was a a fun journey getting here. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm sure. You did mention early on that, like, you knew early on that you were Philippine X. But when did Mm -hmm. you start to really identify or really like, I guess not really identify, but when did you really come to realize that that question of what are you, you know, is probably going to come up quite often? I mean, it's funny, Jen shared the story about joining a a Filipino group because it was almost exactly the same experience for me. Like I went to Cal State LA for my undergrad and I joined the group there. And I would say it was interesting because it was actually like probably half like recent immigrants and half like first gen college kids. And so I got a good mix of people from the Philippines know I'm Filipino, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's something about once they come to this country or something, 
that it becomes so much harder to believe. But when I'm in the Philippines, you know, if I meet someone who's, who has grown up there, it's like a completely different experience, I feel like. So they were like really accepting of me, but everyone else, you know, it was just like constant from like 18 on. Even now, I still sort of, I went through a period of like rejecting either of my kind of like how I rejected gender. I was like, well, I clearly like am never going to be perceived for what I am. So does that like give me a right to claim it still if like it's never going to be reflected back? But then, yeah, just very recently, I sort of started realizing and, you know, this comes to my later point of like, I had to love myself in my entirety and I couldn't hate one or the other because everything really, you know, made up who I was. And I love this one quote that I read. I can't remember where it was, but it it was basically, we don't call green half blue and half yellow. It's just green. Mm. Like, I don't have to be half and half. I'm just my own thing out in this world. And like, I know that both my truths can be true at the same time. Like I am white and I'm a person of color. Like, I know we don't talk about it that way, but guess what? It's happening, you know? So in that, I was able to reclaim my Filipinx identity. And like, I've been trying to be more in love with it again, because I think I fell out of love at some point, but Mm. coming back around. For the longest time, I was a self-loathing Filipino-American. <laughs> I share this very often on our show, but I was bullied by a Filipino-American women, and I had pretty toxic relationships like within my own family growing up. And so, and then that kind of like carried through in later on in life. And so it was really this project where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to own my identity. Like I'm going to form in the way that makes like most sense to me. And I'm going to try to figure it out with other people that feel the same way. And the reason why we call this a project is because I really feel like our experience is an ongoing project. I feel like part of this journey right now, what I've come to find with the show is that we're trying to come up with new vocabulary and a new language to speak our truth. Because it's very common for a lot of people who come on the show that feel conflicted. They feel like they have to prove themselves. They feel like they're not enough. Like we just have to deal with so many different layers, so many different things. And, you know, part of my goal and my dream is to talk about this enough so that we can have, I think, more positive language around it and find a way to make it just sound normal to be whatever we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Nani, do you have something you want to add? (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I was disagreeing. You go, girl. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay, okay. Awesome. Yeah, no, I was disagreeing. I mean, what you said, Sarah, really resonated with me about feeling like you, an inclination to just reject both sides because you're like, well, I don't fit in here. Or not like I don't fit in, but I'm not accepted here. And I'm not accepted here either. And that just leaves you in a very like gray area for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, hey, everyone, Jen Amos here taking a quick break in between our interviews, as I always do uh, to actually talk about a new resource that I have personally been using for a couple of weeks now called Seven Cups. I want to give a shout out to Asia Hilario, who shared this resource in episode 29. So check it out. We live in a world where you can be surrounded by people, but still feel lonely with nobody to turn to when things get rough. But being heard is an important part of being human. Psychologist Glenn Mariotti, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, (laughs) saw that there was great power in listening, 
but he knew not everyone had someone to talk to. He started to wonder, how can I make being heard a reality for everyone? And that's why Seven Cups was born. Thanks to thousands of volunteer listeners, including myself, stepping up to lend a friendly ear, Seven Cups is happy to say, we're here for you. No matter who you are or what you're going through, this is a place where you'll be heard and cared for. We might be strangers on the surface, but underneath, we're just the friends you haven't met yet. Seven Cups has trained volunteer listeners available 24-7 to give emotional support or online chat. It's anonymous and, get this, completely free. When you need someone to talk to, we're here to listen and help you feel better. Learn more about Seven Cups today by visiting sevencups.com or, as always, you can check out the show notes for the link. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was really young, I was whistling around my grandpa. And my grandpa, he doesn't speak fluent English, but he speaks enough to get by. And so he was able to say to me, what are you doing? Are you a man? You know, like, are you a man? Is that what you're whistling? You know? And I remember that so clearly, you know, back then. And there were so many things growing up, like just like what you were talking about, Sarah, like where I couldn't do certain things because I was a female and, or, you know, I was identified as like a female. And so what I've come to find, and even same thing with this project, is that I've just kind of learned to just kind of keep my distance from people who make me feel like any sense of like, like feeling defected or feeling not enough mm. and, and just learn to surround myself with people who don't even look at that, like don't even think that I am defected. They actually enjoy being around me. But obviously, I think that's like everyone's like life journey to, you know, have a new adopted family of people that like, you know, love you and accept you for all that you are. You know, there's definitely a lot of situations growing up where because I'm a female, it's like, there's certain things I can't do. And, you know, even today, I feel like that's still sort of ingrained in me. Like, I just think about how, like, I'm afraid to travel by myself, because I'm a woman, you know. And so mm. anyway, those are things that I need to unpack. But I appreciate you sharing that and your upbringing, because it, it resonates with me as well. And just kind of that, you know, one of the things that I hated about being who I was growing up was like, you know, not just culturally, but like as a female, like how limited I was. And I feel like there's this general uh, stereotype about Filipino American women or, or Filipina women in general, where you're not expected to be much. I mean, if anything, you're expected to, you know, get married and, you know, be the matriarch of the family. And so I feel like my life is an example of, not, I'm not trying to prove anyone wrong, but my life is is kind of an example of like like how that is not always the case, you know? I mean, other than the whole like traveling mm. by myself thing, <laughs> like um, <laughs> I feel like I've done a pretty good job of like kind of, you know, just being the example that I want to see in this world. And I'm not just limited to what my upbringing had taught me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That distance is definitely key. I think in that, you know, because as long as you surround yourself with those same kind of toxic people and relationships in those environments, then you're not going to even know at one point that's going to become your normal. And mm -hmm. that's where the problem is. So the distance is the most important thing, I think, in what you said. And to essentially like the whole find your tribe thing, which is, which is, yeah, what this project is. And that's kind of the beauty in it. So I'm really glad to be like connecting with people like both of you guys through an initiative like this. 
Yeah, it's so true, the idea of distance, right? Because I know I've heard you guys mention, you know, having toxic relationships growing up and that's a lot. Like this year has been, it's funny because I turned 29 this year on the 29th, right? So it's like it's my golden year. Yeah. And (laughs) it has been, you know, a golden year. And I mean that in the sense that like I've had to do the most growing I've ever done and it was like so painful and so miserable. But like, I think, you know, it lives up to the thing. And what I've learned most is about that distance, right? And like learning how to do that for my sake and not being afraid to hurt that other person's feelings when mm. I need that distance to heal and I need that distance to like be able to get out of this fog of whatever I'm in, you know? Mm. So distance has been like a really awesome lesson for me this year. So I'm glad that you brought it up because, yeah. It's like a good reflection for me now at this point of like, that's exactly what this year has been. It's been about learning the value of distance and the safety of distance. Mm, Safety of distance. Yes. I agree with you. (laughs) Um, I do want to share one more story. So, oh man, I mean, I'll share a lot of stories, but (laughs) you, you just reminded me of how you mentioned that fog that you go through, you know, and you have to kind of like distance yourself to see things clearly. I think it was when I was, Man, I forgot what year it was already. I think it's been like five, six, seven years ago already. But I remember my relationship with my mom just got really toxic. And I I was still living with her at the time. I worked remotely. So to me, it just kind of made sense to still stay at my mom's. I was the last out of my siblings to move out of the house. But my mom had uh, taken money from me. She had taken money out of my bank account. She had maxed out one of my credit cards. You know, it was, she was, she was struggling as a single parent. Okay. So that's, you know, her story. We lost my dad when I was really young. So, you know, being able to years later, be able to understand why all that happened. But in the moment, you know, as I was trying to build my career, I felt like she was like robbing, you know, from me. And I remember I was so angry. I almost wanted to say the H word, you know, that I hated her. And Mm. I knew that was time for me to move out. I was all like, like, I need to move out so I can love my mom again. Like this is, this is my way of showing love. And it was really one of the most painful experiences for me. I actually, you know, Thanksgiving coming up, I actually moved out around Thanksgiving in the middle of the night. And Mm. Yeah, I I remember like my boyfriend at the time uh, helped me just move everything out of the house and I already had a place to stay and it was hard. I remember how much I cried about it. But years later, you know, and Nani knows this, like I have a pretty good relationship with my mom now and I'm able to look at that situation from a safe distance to be like, yeah, you know, like I'm glad I did that because I did love my mom, but being so close to her was actually hurting us more than it was helping Mm, us. mm -hmm. And I think that's what I love about doing the show is I think a lot of us come on the show because it's like far enough to feel safe to tell your story. You know, a lot of us call in, even Nani and I, like, you know, she's in the West Coast, I'm in the East Coast, like we're, we're meeting in December, but like, for whatever reason, this distance and, and being able to just call in as opposed to like have like a video call somehow mm-hmm. creates this like safe environment for us to open up and share our truth. So however that happened, I'm just so glad. And I'm so glad that we're able to document this for other people to listen in, you know, at their commute to work or, you know, whatever, whatever they're doing, whenever they have time to listen to this and, you know, feel that that same connection. I just think it's so beautiful. With that said, 
<laughs> just giving like this whole whole speech here. Let's go ahead. I want to thank you both for having this discussion. I just had an epiphany talking about this and the importance of like, you know, sometimes love is better or what do you call it? Like love grows when you're actually far away from someone. I think there's a saying mm-hmm. about that. Something like, you know, distance makes the heart. Yeah, there you go. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes, there you go. All right. Well, Sarah, let's go ahead and fast forward to today. So for people that are getting to know you for the first time, why don't you share a snapshot of your life, particularly what keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays? Okay. So I have two children, four-year-old and a two-year-old. So already that's, you know, let's just say 96% of my energy. (laughs) I work at, at a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit preschool for low-income families in Northwest Pasadena, which I think a lot of people think Pasadena, they think it's this very affluent area, but there's actually like pockets of like really intense poverty within, you know, like walking distance of like a $5 million house. It's kind of a bizarre area. And so I do a lot of like volunteering community engagement there. And I just graduated my MSW and I am working with a faculty member to get it published. Uh, and the topic is decolonized pedagogy in higher education, like specifically within MSW programs. Because, you know, I love my programs, but <laughs> there was definitely some super intense, like oppressive practices that were going on that I couldn't just like be lectured about and then not say anything about it. So mm-hmm. I, I challenged the professors a lot. But I think they, they appreciated it, too. I don't think it was a bad thing. Um, so just so I understand, what does MSW stand for? And then if you oh. can share, because, you know, I, I'm so smart, I, you know. No, but yeah. like, <laughs> and then also like a, a brief dis- description of PETA. I can't pronounce it. I'm looking at the word, but I can't pronounce it. So yeah, if you can explain what MSW stands for and then decolonize and then the P word, <laughs> just, so we, just so I understand. I don't know, Nani, if you feel the same way, but it, it'll help me at least. Yeah, no, I, I, I would appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. So MSW, Masters of Social Work. Okay. I think well, <laughs> it's been interesting for me because I didn't even know what it was when I got into it. I just had seen a job posting at one time that said it required an MSW. And I was like, okay, I'll get it if it means I can get this job. I'm not really realizing mm-hmm. what it was actually that the program was. So it's like half therapist and like half social justice advocate. Mm. Like... Ah, so we're, we're trained to be therapists, but a lot of our theories, I guess, are centered around like people as part of their society, uh, whereas like psychology is more like people and identity and like internal kind of stuff. And then MFTs, I think, I, ha- I honestly, <laughs> there's this weird rivalry between MSWs and MFTs, uh, which are marriage and family therapists. We just have different theories and it's fine, right? Like I don't harbor any of that, but (laughs) it's just funny. Like I honestly (laughs) had no idea any of that before I got into the program. So it's been fun discovering it too. (laughs) My graduate project for the program was decolonized pedagogy, uh, which is how a classroom is set up, how a classroom is run, what type of books do you pick, what type of assignments do you create? How are you lecturing? You know, it's basically everything that makes a classroom a classroom and a learning Mm -hmm. environment. And I chose to look at it from a decolonized perspective because a lot of what social work tells us is that we need to meet people where they are. 
And like, we can't just assume that there's an end goal already for them. It's like, well, where are you in your life? I've just come into your life. I've just met you. Like, what do you define as success? You know, and like, let's help you get there rather than me telling you, you need to do this or you need to do that in order to get this. Right. And yeah, despite that, like, theory around how to provide services, as students, we were still not being met where we were. Like, no one likes group projects. I did a survey for this mm. essay. And, yeah, um, I hate group projects. It was like, <laughs> yeah, we can all agree group projects are miserable for a variety of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But has that stopped them? I'm like, no, Every, like, all professors know that no one likes group projects. But there's this weird, like, concept that it's going to prepare you for the working world when, again, I think we all know it never prepares you for the working world. The working world just does not work like that. And so it's like this really outdated, antiquated kind of thing. And so my research was around, like, what are some indigenous learning styles? What are some non-Western learning styles, which are like community-based learning rather than projects so much as like it's just open discussions every time, utilizing more assignments that allow Ah, there was like an article that was like the value of I or something and how academic programs don't like you to use I in essays because then it's like informal and there's emotions and we all know how illogical that is. But like, at least for social sciences, you know, maybe whatever for anything else, but like, you can't have a program that doesn't involve the person's individual relation to it because then you're just removing a person from their experience and then that learning is cut off in that way and so allowing more like narrative assignments or self-reflective assignments as they relate to the topic so yeah that was really what I like advocated for and then I just did this project to support what I was arguing with them about because <laughs> so I was like look I did a survey and it was majority students from this program and this is what they're saying so you can't really ignore it now, you know, or at least yeah. we'll see. <laughs> I feel like group projects is like a lazy way of teaching now. I just remember how much I hated group projects. And then just like we were talking about, like in the real world, like I don't do group projects in the sense that they set us up for in class, you know? So I, yeah. I think that's so interesting. And I love how you're taking like a indigenous approach to it, you know, like adding that that's, I've never heard anyone take that approach before. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really awesome. That's just, I mean, I think that the whole education (laughs) system in general, sorry, guys, (laughs) you got this to be like redesigned as a whole. But I think that that's something that it seems like people don't even think about because people don't talk about how a classroom is designed and, or maybe they do, but I, I'm not privy to it. So anyway, yeah, I love that you are advocating for just like a community-based learning style, like open discussion kind of environment that allow for more narrative assignment to kind of, like you said, meet the kids where they're at and learn, help them learn how to cope with the world where they're at, not at some unrealistic standard that was created centuries ago that you know, is just not applicable to our society today. So that's, that's really awesome. Well, yeah. I'm glad I, I made it make sense because <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yeah. Too much or what? No, you explained that beautifully. I think that's great. All right. Jenny was here jumping into the middle of our show as I always do. 
to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino-American-woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. Yes, you know, I like to ask thorough questions on the show and follow-up questions because, you know, one thing I have learned in the recent years is that I learned best through other people like telling stories. And so that's why I liked asking. And yeah, I think about how like I somehow survived college. I somehow got my bachelor's degree. But, you know, in reality, I like you know, I, I had friends who, you know, deliberately chose not to go to college or they decided to go to like technical school and just get like, you know, two years of certified training and something. And and then and yet more skills than I do. Like I have a friend right now who is going to a private college and in less than two, three years, like she's already been given a full time job. And she has this like elaborate portfolio of work. And I just think like, You know, I went to college because I did it for my family. You know, my dad, when he served in the military, we were given like educational benefits. So I did it out of like, you know, just obligation. But, you know, I think to myself that when, if I ever plan on having kids, I would actually like to consider homeschooling them and trying to teach them in that kind of fashion. I mean, who knows when we'll get there? Who knows if I even want to spend that much time with my future kids, but you really get to, <laughs> you really get to like, you know, it, it really gets you to look back like the way that you were describing, like how you would want to restructure, um, you know, the classroom. It gets me to think like, man, if I, if I was in an environment where we could be self-reflective and have open discussions, I think I would have been less intimidated by school. You know, even in college and even in high school, actually, I stayed in school because of sports and because of extracurricular. But in the classroom, I was just, you know, most of the time, honestly, like not that my teachers would ever hear this, but, you know, I was journaling and I was just kind of fantasizing and daydreaming. And, and I was always just kind of like, you know, planning for the next extracurricular event or meeting or, you know, all of anything but the classroom I was looking forward to when I was in school. So I just love, like, I love your take on all this and, you know, just it's much needed. And, you know, the school system needs to be 
updated. I think everyone's been saying that for decades now. <laughs> Actually, I, I think this is not so new like, knowledge. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's really cool that we have, you know, there are people such as yourself doing this kind of research to prove like, hey, y'all, like this is completely outdated. Okay. So I think it's awesome. I think it's really awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get into one of my most favorite questions of our show, which is being able to share a life lesson and a story that inspired that life lesson. So Sarah, for you, you wanted to share with us that self-love comes before identity. I'd love for you to elaborate more on that and what aspect of your life or story inspired that life lesson. I talked about it a bit, but just I've always felt in between things. And like, just always felt like I really had no idea who I was. Like, why couldn't I figure out, you know, a style that made sense to me or a look or, you know, anything. I fluctuated so much in life. I did as much as I could just because I was like, I can't stay in one like identity for too long kind of Mm -hmm. a thing. And I thought that I was making that choice. But I like, again, my golden year, I've really come to realize like it wasn't so much a choice as it was I just didn't love myself I couldn't love Mm. who I was I was like well let me just try on as many different things as I can and then see if that lets me love myself more you know like maybe I just haven't found who that person is that's worth loving but when I finally actually started doing the act of loving myself and like getting to know myself and you know allowing things like my Filipinx identity, my white identity, my mixed identity, like just the more I said, okay, to whoever I was, the more I felt like, oh, this is who I am. Like, like, I really felt like my style come through, like I never, you know, put much effort into clothes, really, because I felt like, oh, I'm just going to change styles in like a month anyway. But now it's like, no, this is, this is my look now, because I know what that would be like, you know, Um, because I've really taken the time to get to know myself. Yeah, I guess that's what I just had to learn was like, doing the act of loving myself allowed me to see myself in a way that I was refusing to do for many, many years. And so it's been really great getting to know me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) I know the feeling. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that. And I can say that, I mean, I haven't explored it, obviously, in the same ways that that you have. But in other ways, I have tried on a lot of different identities, I guess you could say, and never really been sure of any of them. And was just wasn't thrilled, really, with anything that I was, quote unquote, trying to be. And essentially ended up just letting other people really define what that meant for me and let a lot of things happen to me that I could have easily avoided if I just, like you said, showed up for myself and learned how to see myself and love myself that way, which Mm -hmm. I also feel this has been my golden year in kind of figuring out how to do that and just getting comfortable, like at all the ugly parts that make me uncomfortable with doing that and just, you know, starting to learn how to push through it. So I'm, I'm right with you. (laughs) I think this is such a beautiful conversation. And I'm glad it came at the time that it did. Because, you know, part of what I was saying offline before we started, was that I was doing some self reflection. And part of that self reflection is was thinking is thinking about how I wanted to present myself in the new year. So like, for example, 
you know, for anyone that follows us on Instagram, you know, Nani and I mainly just update Instagram stories. Like we don't actually like update our actual feed. And I do the same thing on my personal feed. And the reason why I share this is because for me, I, I feel so I feel so intimidated by posting on the feed lately. And I think it's because there's something that feels permanent about posting on there. Where <laughs> yes. what I what I like about <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. What I, what I like about Instagram stories is that if I'm really passionate about something one day, like it, it could be out there for just 24 hours and that's it. You know, I mean, unless I put it in highlights, right? Like unless I really want it to stay there for like some time. But even then, I feel more comfortable like editing all that and updating my highlights than like uh, updating my feed. And, you know, sometimes like I've gone through a big transformative experience uh, myself in the last two years or so, um, having moved to the East Coast and like uprooting my life in California, like in which I lived at for 20 years. Um, and so it's, I feel like it's hard for me to look back and identify with who I was because even just a week ago, like that's not who I am anymore. Like it's hard for me to like identify as who that was. Like I feel like I've, I'm constantly evolving every day with every new interaction that I'm having. And like you know what? Like that's that's completely okay. You know that's completely okay to just you know want to like try out different identities or different you know explore different parts of yourself at any given moment. Like I feel like society and culture have like trained us to be like linear. Like I think about the school system and like how when you, at least if you attend like a a standard four-year university, uh, the first year or so is just taking general education. So you're taught to just, you know, kind of take a bunch of different like random courses. And then eventually you're supposed to hone in on like, okay, what are you going to actually study? What's going to be your you know, your focus, what's going to be your emphasis, what's going to be your, you know, your actual degree. And then if you go for your master's and you go for your PhD, it's all about like just getting like honing in onto that one thing that you're going to, you're going to study and that you're going to be the expert in, you know, and then you get out of school and you're like, okay, do I even want to pursue that anymore? Like, do I even want to like use this degree right. in the workplace? <laughs> and then even if I do want to use it in the workplace, will anyone hire me? You know, so there's a lot of people who right. end up taking like, you know, they'll have a full-time job, but it really supports their side hustle or they'll be a freelancer and have multiple, you know, side hustles. And it is interesting how school is like, like, I don't know what's going on with school, but I feel like it's a bubble. You know what I mean? Like it's it's this bubble <laughs> that is telling you to just be like one thing, you know, be one dimensional. Yeah. And I feel like the beauty of like what we are, you know, being Filipino, being American, being just like the enti- this entire experience of the Filipino, uh, Philippine X experience and like all the different identities. I think we are the people who understand that the most. We are allowed to be eclectic. You know, we are allowed to explore. We are allowed, more importantly, oh, like we're that. more- yeah, more importantly, we're willing to make mistakes. We're willing to put ourselves out there. Like, I feel like we're just more comfortable exploring all those things where, you know, I'm not any other, like, I can't think of another, you know, white male counterparts who feel like they have to, they're just naturally like masculine. And when I joke to them about like, like queer stuff, for example, like they're just like, uh, you know, just naturally, like that's, that's like their natural gut to like have that kind of reaction where like for me, I was just telling them today, I was telling the story um, to my husband about like, I was like, you know, there are like two or three women that I had specifically 
like actually I, I remember that I genuinely had feelings for them like growing up and I just never did anything about it because of like society. Like I was told like I, I wasn't supposed to, you know, pursue it. And it was interesting because the guys didn't know how to respond to that. And so I think what I'm trying to say is that like, this is our advantage, I think, you know, being who we are is that we are allowed to explore uh, so many things um, at any given moment. You know, we can be one color one day and then choose to be another color the next, or maybe we, we want to mix it up. But I think the vocabulary, you know, the language that I feel like I'm beginning to develop is like, we're colorful, you know, and, and uh, am I making sense? <laughs> yeah, no, no, you are. Cool, cool. Okay, yes. So I feel like I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to, I'm trying to celebrate. I think I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, this is our advantage of, you know, for everyone that struggled with, you know, if they should be more, you know, American or more Filipino or, you know, should they be the hyphen in the middle? It's like, you know what, we could be whatever we want to be. And, mm-hmm. and if no one likes it, then you, you know, it's all about associations, right? It's all about like who you surround yourself with. And if, if people aren't comfortable being around you, then it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go somewhere else then. Or I'm going to do a podcast show where I don't ever have to meet anyone in person. So there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that goes back to what Sarah said in the beginning. Uh, like, do I get to choose, you know, like if I'm not, accepted or recognized by either of my communities like do I even it's either I think you look at it like the glass half full or the glass half empty right like you look at it either like oh I'm not I'm rejected by both of these worlds or you look at it like I can choose either of these worlds or create Mm -hmm. my own thing in between right so it's kind of like you just need to grow up in an environment or at some point be in an environment where you can, like, someone can open up your perspective in that way. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm just yes. like, um, yes, I'm not sure if I'm explaining this in <laughs> well, I feel. I think it's because, like, I think we're, it's, it's because we're exploring a new way of describing this. Like, even I feel like, I feel like I'm talking a lot because I'm trying to, like, over-explain it and make sure I, I sound like I'm making sense. But... Like this, this conversation is really exciting for me. I don't know if it is for you too, but it's really exciting for me. So, <laughs> yes, so thank is. you. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. At 11 <laughs> o'clock at night here in Virginia. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say something about whatever I just said, tying into um, how I think that that really starts in the classroom and that is what this conversation has kind of opened my mind up to is it's not just also about like what we're doing in terms of curriculum, but it's about the environment and how you kind of watch the kids, the other kids interact with each other, how the other kids are interacting with you or how the teacher is encouraging you guys to interact with each other and with the curriculum, obviously through the types of projects that they're giving you. So I think that that just kind of emphasizes my <laughs> commending you for the work that that you're doing in the social worker activist space. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, we're just sending a ton of love your way, Sarah. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah. Lots of love like and said, admiration. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. so unusual for me, right? Like, it's very unusual for me to talk and I've had this conversation with many people in my life that like I can't be friends with someone else who's quiet because we would just never talk <laughs> like Same. I need someone who can do all the talking 
<laughs> Same. <laughs> I, I feel that. A hundred percent. A super new experience for me. So thank you guys also for allowing me this space to practice being more vocal in general. Yes. And you're always welcome to come back, just so you know. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. You know, part of our goal at the show is like, you know, it's not just like a one and done thing. We we definitely want people to come back and, you know, share like whatever is new in their life or whatever new life lesson they want to share with us. But, you know, if, if this is a space for people to practice speaking or like say, speaking their truth, by all means, like Nani and I will take it because we learn a lot from it too. Yeah, Absolutely. That's so great. You guys are awesome for putting this together. <laughs> oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. I always, uh, I always joke about this, but it's actually really true. Like, I don't have a social life out here. So this is my social life. So thank you. Thank you for being part of my social life. <laughs> this is my preferred social life. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I like that. That puts more control in your hands. Yes, this is my preferred yeah. way of socializing. <laughs> I will use that now. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Well, with that said, uh, I think we had such an incredible conversation today. Sarah, for people who are interested in learning more about you or even reaching out to you, how can they do that? Um, either by Instagram, which is Weta Hera. Uh, another funny story. I lived in New Zealand for a while, so a lot of my stuff is very uh, Maori focused. And um, so the name is Weta Hera, which means hot Sarah. Oh, nice, nice. That's super cute. I like that. (laughs) And then there's my email. So listeners, if you didn't catch that, no worries. Uh, We'll have Sarah's contact information in the show notes, including her email address that she doesn't want to pronounce right now. And that's okay. (laughs) 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 I love it. Awesome. Well, it's been an incredible conversation today. I want to thank you, Sarah, for being on and just speaking your truth and and sharing your life with us. And Nani, I want to thank you for co-hosting with me as always. To our listeners, if you want to get a hold of us, like I said, I'm super generous. Just check out the show notes on how to do that. Uh, With that said, uh, we hope that our listeners, we hope that everyone gained a lot of value from today's conversation. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Yes. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Talk to you next time. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you. Bye.